Vallejo Police Department. I want to report a double murder. You can go one mile east on Columbus Parkway, the public park. You'll find kids in a brown car. They were shot with a 9mm Luger. I also killed those kids last year. Good. by the good people at the Podbelly Network. My fellow Americans, we are fortunate to be alive. They need them to protect us from the number one killer in history. Protect us from the central university. A study on Everybody. Welcome to episode 199 of the R. Jacob Do America podcast. I'm your host in the place to be, Mr. Jacob P. And sitting right across from me is the brown recluse, Mr. Art Trail. Art, say hello to the millions. What's up, billions? Um, guys, my name is Art. Big hip, having art. Um, Child-bearing hip. Child-bearing hip, art. Uh, robot legs. They call me funky legs, art. Um, guys, you're listening to the world famous... <laughs> R and Jacob do America podcast. My my voice just broke just now. Mm, going through puberty. Again. Puberty. Growing up, guys. Um, guys, you know what helps you grow through puberty? Caveman Coffee. Go to cavemancoffee.com. Check out their entire inventory. They got the hibiscus tea, my personal favorite. I had some of uh, the decaf this morning with some of uh, the cacao butter. It's fucking good, man. Even for decaf, it got my morning going. It got me right, man. Like best part of waking up. It's fucking good. It's fucking good. Um, there's a sale going on right now for their, I, I think it's, oh, white gold, the white gold coffee. It is, uh, on, online right now. And you can receive an extra 15% off by typing in America at checkout. Uh, tell them Arn Jacob sent you, take pictures of yourself drinking the coffee, take pictures of yourself, uh, tag us, tag them. T- sorry. I was going to say something. Take a picture of yourself wearing their clothing. Mm. Kind of stopped too short there. Uh, it's late. We normally don't record this late, but yeah. Um, but yeah, guys, go to kmancoffee.com. Tell them our Jacob sent you. Type in America at checkout. Yes. So speaking of sponsors, guys, make sure you check out our other sponsor, guys. The great, the powerful, the flavorful El Yucateco hot sauce, guys. The kings of flavor since 1968. 50 years of Flavor Town, guys. You will not find a better hot sauce on your shelves guarantee it and in just in case you cannot find this on your shelves let's say you're just in a weird part of the world or they're just out because oh you take is just that damn good that it's just sold out like toilet paper during the corona times right yeah. uh, just go to shop lucatechno.com uh, enter promo code do america and art and myself will give you 10 percent off your entire purchase now not only do they have hot sauces but they also have an assortment of you know clothing uh, they have games and all sorts of shit. You know, summer is on its way. You know, if you're listening to this in real time or whatever, summer is just around the corner. That barbecue season, whatever. You can pick yourself up a grill, fucking uh, an apron, a fucking one of those like you know Swedish chef hats or whatever. They got, they literally have all of that on shopelucateco.com. That's fucking sick. That is sick. So if you if you want to be all about that lucateco life, guys, just go to shopelucateco.com. Promo code Do America, and you'll get ten percent off. We got to have an El Yucateco themed barbecue this weekend. Or not this weekend. Sorry. <laughs> not say. this weekend. This summer. Yes. So uh, I think that sounds like a cool idea. I'm yeah. just saying, El Yucateco, sponsor it. Bring bring your people. We'll bring our people. We'll put some shit together. We'll stream it live. <laughs> we'll have a couple German Shepherds and we'll sit right next Snoop, to my pool. Snoop Dogg, obviously invited. Yeah. Uh, we'll not invite Bad Bunny, though. I don't know why that fool's been hanging out with Snoop Dogg, though. But That Bunny? What's that? Bad Bunny? You don't know who Bad Bunny is? that fucking ridiculous fool is like in all the corona commercials with snoop 
I know he's in. I know Snoop Dogg is in the Corona commercials. Yeah, then there's like this other dude, like with this ridiculous haircut or whatever, and he's like, Snoop's like, oh, yo, you so funny, play. And he goes, no, no, it's not playa, it's playa. Huh. He's I, like some reggaeton guy. Okay, I don't know who that is, but he is not invited. No, he is not. Because he'd be drinking, he'd be eating that fucking uh, <laughs> Cholula and shit. Yeah, that's some Cholula drinking shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not here to talk about Bad Bunny and hot sauce. Our, what are we here to talk about today? Guys, uh, we are here to talk about the Zodiac Killer. This mm. episode's been a long time coming. This is a topic I'm very passionate about, as I was mm. telling Jacob before we started recording. Um, it, it's something that like I've always been intrigued by. I've always been intrigued by ciphers and codes and anything puzzle related we did the cicada 3301 episode um just anything like that of like mystery that still to this day baffles us interested mm. plus there's murders involved more interested um just because murders are cool <laughs> google murder murder's <laughs> cool like i googled it as i was telling jacob during the patreon first thing i did this morning i, I decided to google the word murder and on the definition it just said cool <laughs> so um there you go um yeah no I, I find it super interesting um i've i've uh i went on a date with a girl once to to um the uh lubber's lane during the fourth of fourth of july thing to kind of recreate this like murder thing that they do in in one of his first murders but which we'll su- get into or whatever super cool i don't know what like i Sometimes I think you're the whitest motherfucker I know because who does that? Like fucking, well, let's recreate the fucking uh, victim scene of the fucking Zodiac killer. Like I'm like, no, I'm. Well, cool. the funny thing about her is that um, she's a white she, girl. No, she she wasn't white, oh, but okay. um, um, she was really she was really into serial killers, uh-huh. and her whole thing was like, let me show you the cave where um, um, we did an episode on him. What's his name? That. The dude that had a cult. Oh fuck. Uh oh Jim Jones? No, not Jim Jones. Um The Heaven's Gate? No, no. Um Charles, Charles Manson. Manson. Charles Manson had like a cave hangout. In Bakersfield? No, no. He, had, he it's like a pretty famous cave hangout. And oh, like, like on Spawn Ranch? Uh maybe. I don't know yeah. where it, where it's at, but Yeah, like, where like all the family members are underneath yeah, the rock. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to if you want to get balls deep into fucking uh, an episode about a fucking uh, cult leader, yeah, check out episode two of our Charles Manson <laughs> one, where I go, I like bore fucking Art and fucking his stepbrother fucking for three hours on. It, it was it was a fun episode one was pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, no, I mean like it. Long story short, it's a this these this this series of murders mm. are super fascinating to me. This is like a serial killer that has an MO and then just when you think you know him right, he switches, switches it, it up. up. So let's get into it. Yeah, so the Zodiac Killer um starts pretty much his his uh his spree, I wanna say in nineteen sixty eight, uh through, you know, the early seventies and whatnot. And, you know, we always talk, when we talk serial killers, whether it be Richard Ramirez, you know, Charles Manson, who's technically not a, you know, serial killer or whatever, but we always like to delve into, like, their backstory. We just did an episode on Jim Jones or whatever, where it's like, we get into the mind of a serial killer. And, we and you know, you kind of, like, see, like, the whole nature versus nurture, like, how do they become this person? Well, we're not going to be able to do that with uh, the Zodiac Killer because this case has never been solved. Um, I think uh, the San Francisco Police Department, they've interviewed somewhere up to, like, 2,500 suspects. And, you know, once we get into, like, part two of this next week on episode 200, uh, we'll go down our list of some suspects. And you go down that rabbit hole of suspects, and you're like, oh, yeah, that that's totally the guy. What? Let's go arrest him now. And then something will be off where it's just like, yep, nope, the fingerprint didn't match. The DNA didn't match. And you're just like, fuck. They're big things that don't, you know, like, it's like 99%. And then that 1% that we just need to seal the deal is, like, a big thing where yeah. it's like, Oh, his blood isn't the same. Like, yeah, yeah. like weird things like that. Yeah, yeah he has a different uh, form of semen. Yeah, like, this guy's got two dicks. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's only got one. So we can't arrest him. <laughs> so anyways, Art, so this week we're just going to go through, like, his murders, like what made him famous, as well as some of the letters and ciphers uh, that he sent into the media. So, Art, do you want to kick it off with the one of the first murders? Yeah, okay, so this is the Darlene and Mike murder. Well, actually, we're going to start with the second murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the second murder is really the introduction to his murders. 
the Mike and Darlene one is actually if 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 you've seen the movie, this is how the movie starts. By the way, it's a really good movie. Everyone should watch. Excellent movie, and I had never seen this movie. Oh wow! And it's it's a fucking hitter, dude. Like the fucking Zodiac. Featuring Jake Gyllenhaal, fucking two of the Avengers, fucking yeah, Mark, Iron Man and, and Hulk. Well, Mysterio's in there. Another oh yeah, a villain from the MCU. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, as well as Casey Jones from the original Ninja Turtles movie. He's in it. Who is he? He's a police officer. He kind of he went bald, so you won't. Oh, recognize. that's him. Yeah, he's in there. Okay, um, so this is kind of an interesting place to start because it's Fourth of July night, um. And th- this, I wouldn't even say couple, the Mike and Darlene couple, right? Mm-hmm. Mike is 19. She's 22 years old. She was actually married. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not. Uh, why they were together, I don't want to speculate, but I'm going to speculate. They were smoking a bowl. You think they were smoking a bowl? No. There were no drugs found in their systems or, no. or anywhere around them. But obviously something strange is happening. It's 4th of July night. They're at Lover's Lane. They actually go for a drive right before the the whole shabazz happens. Um, in her car. In her car, she picks him up. Uh, they pull over to Lubber's Lane. This scuffle breaks on with these like, I don't want to say like hillbillies, but kind of like rednecky hills have eyes. Hills have eye guys that are <laughs> blowing up fireworks next to them, and so they drive off. Mm-hmm. Mike and Darlene are alone. They're just chillaxing. They're they're having a conversation without their husband. Her husband's baby, not there. Baby. Yeah. yeah. Innocent times. Mm-hmm. Better times. Um, <laughs> back well, when America was great. Yeah. We got to bring this America back. <laughs> um, but all of a sudden, a car pulls up behind them. And they're kind of like, whoa, that's kind of weird. What the fuck's up with that? And there's a reason why I, we have testimony of what happened here. Mm-hmm. But then this car decides to drive away for a few minutes and then drive back. And I always think of this moment of like, this has to be the Zodiac killer, like thinking like, no, the moment's not right. And then going like, no, <laughs> I got the subtle art of not giving a fuck told me to have to, I have to <laughs> maximize these fucks and drove back and um, basically pulls up behind them, does it in a very police style way mm-hmm. of pulling up literally behind them pulling out a flashlight and going up to the car and basically pulling up from his side passenger side she was driving as jacob noted earlier and basically shooting him directly and then putting a lot of attention in, in the shots after that to her so and you know what i saw too is that like he when he shot him Mm-hmm. On the passenger side, that like one of the bullets actually went right through him and like sh- went into her like directly. So like that's how she got like the first shots is like when he was shooting the passenger, and like a lot of the shots went into her first. And then I think like she's like trying to like jump into the back seat or whatever, and that's when he like turns his attention to her. Yeah. So I mean, she obviously gets the most attention. Like most of the shots are aimed at her. Um. He somehow survives during this whole ordeal, which is really <laughs> is crazy. fucking crazy. Um, but the thing that makes this whole situation like over the top, in my opinion, like this is the thing that like really like fucking cements this dude as like legendary. That Richard Ramirez didn't do, and like Ted, but like all those other dudes weren't fucking doing was he basically calls the police <laughs> <laughs> on himself, on himself, and says like, "I just, I just killed two people." I don't know if you actually have the notes of like what he says, and I don't have. Basically, what he says is like, "I want to report a murder." Yeah, yeah. And the, by the way, that recording is out there, like, and it's very monotone. Like, I want to report a murder. Yeah, and it's just like, oh man, like, go find it. The movie does a really good job. It. I, I don't know if they actually like sample the re- the real recordings. The movie is like almost ninety nine percent like dead on to what and it I sounds like. I was surprised, like, doing research of this fucking topic of like how spot on, like, fucking. You know, they got the Zodiac, like the whole, the, basically the narrative that's out there. Usually you get like a topic, like, you know, the whole Jim Jones thing. Like there's a million fucking movies about it. And like people have taken liberties with it. You know, the Sacrament, the movie, the Sacrament was a really great movie, loosely based upon Jonestown. But yeah. you know, there's a lot of liberties taken. Hollywood liberties, those liberals with those their liberties. Stars yeah. stole the election. <laughs> <laughs> and so like but with the zodiac movie like they fucking nailed it not only did they nail it with the casting 
but with the story as well. It seems like they got it like like Art said, ninety nine percent accurate. The guy that plays Mike is like looks just like him. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that is one of David Fincher's actors. Like if you watch a lot of David Fincher movies, he plays he plays a cop in Gone Girl. He's like in a lot of his movies. So I don't know if that was just like dumb luck that he has an actor that he works with a lot, and he's like, you look just like the Mike guy. Like <laughs> I'm gonna, you're in. Like it's fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he basically calls the the Vallejo PD. Um, Art alluded that it, this all happened on July fourth, nineteen sixty nine. Uh, literally, like forty minutes after midnight, he calls you know the Vallejo PD uh, to claim responsibility, um, and they actually trace the phone call to a uh, to a phone booth uh, that it's a gas station three tenths of a mile uh, from you know uh, the girl's house, uh, Ferris's home, um, and a few blocks down the street from uh, the Vallejo PD uh, facilities as well. So, like, he strategically uh, picked this phone booth because he was just like, I'm right here. And um, he ends the phone call, like, pretty strange, too, because, as Art says, you know, he admits that, you know, he's the one that, you know, took that took responsibility for this murder, as well as he states that, oh, yeah, I killed those two other kids, um, you know, in Lake Herman Road um, back last year, December 20th, 1968. And then he ends it by saying something really creepy. And like Art says, you can look this up on YouTube. It exists. And he just goes, bye. <laughs> he says, goodbye. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is very creepy. And the thing that like the whole thing that I, I just love about this whole thing is like that in itself. Like if that if it was just these two murders and it just ended with that like goodbye like kind of thing. Like he's clearly taunting the police like come and get me like you're not going to be able to get me like Mm -hmm. i know information like i just linked these two murders for you i'm calling you like down the street from where you work like Mm. come and get me kind of thing he's toying with them yeah definitely toying with them love it so far there you go so do you (laughs) want to go ahead and jump into the first murder then um okay so the first murder um is uh david and betty lou i always thought this one was really interesting just because this is like the more like innocent, innocent and very like lovey dovey. They're a lot younger. I think it's seventeen and sixteen. Mm-hmm. They're on a date. It's their first date, like They're first, on a first official date. date. And I don't remember if maybe I'm misremembering, but there was um, this whole thing where Betty Lou had to be home by like eleven o'clock or something mm-hmm. like that. And um, her 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 dad was like very much like the stereotypical dad of like, you got to have my girl home by 11 o'clock or I'm going to come find you. And like, that's kind of like that to me is like a parent's worst nightmare of like, you know, your kid goes on a date, very innocent and you're being very responsible. Like make sure you're home by 11 and like, you know, you relatively know the kid and it seems like an all right kid. And just to have them like murdered. Mm. And like theirs is a little more like there wasn't a, it gets forgotten a lot of times because it is the first murder and he, nobody knew what it, they just thought it was a one-off kind of thing. Um, but it, it was, it was pretty brutal. It was a one twenty-two caliber semi-automatic pistol that he uses to kill, to kill them. And it's, uh, that one's a little more of a bloodbath compared to the second. Not that the second one wasn't a bloodbath, but um, at least uh, one of them lived in the second one. Exactly. And the thing about it, too, is like you you alluded to, too, is like they're two teenagers or whatever. I guess they had been seeing each other at school for quite some time. And this was like actually like their first official date. So, like, I mean, they would sneak off and like go to like the local malt shop and, mm-hmm. and whatever, if you will. And then, you know, like the dad was like, no, I don't want you hanging out with that ruffian. Like, you know, I guess like his family wasn't as well off as hers or there was some like crazy backstory or whatever to it. And like, you know, this was like, again, like the first official date that they were supposed to go on. Um, Originally, they were supposed to go to like some Christmas concert at Hogan High School, which was like just down the street, you know, from her house. Uh, But they skip that, you know, they go to a friend's house, you know, probably play some beer pong. I don't know. Did something, you know, you know, ate some mushrooms, did some peyote. I don't know what they did. Um, Then they went to 69, man. They're probably like into some crazy shit like that. Listen to Jefferson Airplane Mm -hmm. or whatever. Dropping some acid. (laughs) I want you to take the acid right when the song climaxes. There you go. (laughs) I'm glad you got that reference. Um, And then they go to a local restaurant and then they go, you know, hang out, you know, by the lake. 
pretty much like a stereotypical like you know high school date or whatever we're gonna go to carl's jr we're gonna go to bill's house we're gonna go smoke a blunt and then like let's go chill by the Kern river or whatever right mm-hmm. and so <laughs> they, you know, at 10 15 you know they park the car you know they're listening to the shubop shubop maybe i mean the doors were around in 68 weren't they oh they're trying to no, set a mood right, right there yeah oh, yeah, right. yeah yeah they're really around by the way hunter s thompson needs to be a topic in the future oh please we have to do yeah that i just realized like i don't really like doing like bio episodes but like he's so wild that i'd like to cover hunter s thompson just saying hey yeah. down him, the line him and iced tea yeah <laughs> but anyway so about 10 15 they parked the car by the uh the lake or whatever um and you know his mom's rambler and, you know, they go into a gravel turnout, you know, in that area's Lover's Lane. So it's at Lake Herman Road um, at Lover's Lane. And then by 11 p.m., uh, bodies are found by Borges, or Stella Borges, who lived nearby and who heard gunshots. And she was like, that's pretty weird. You know, like, this is out in the middle of nowhere. You never hear gunshots out there. Um, and so basically, like, within a 40-minute period, you know, you had like this murder take place. So, th- so to me, in my mind, it felt like Zodiac. He was looking, you know, like you said, he had a he had an mo, like mm-hmm. where he's just like he's killing, you know, couples or whatever. So he, to me, I feel like he was he was camped out at Lovers Lane, like looking for two, you know, easy prey. Yeah. So my theory at this time period, you know, if I were a police officer, he definitely has to live close by to this, mm-hmm. and there's this whole like. Hannibal Lecter line that I've always enjoyed where he says like the first murder is usually like you kill what you covet and then from then on it evolves but usually if you can pinpoint that first murder you kind of have an idea of like what they're going after and we're assuming this is the first murder Mm -hmm. I was about to say that because we'll go down the line later on episode two we'll get some more into it but we're just assuming this is the first murder Mm -hmm. um I actually don't think it is but I don't either (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, it throw, the whole thing throws you off. Like, the whole thing is just, like, this is so weird. Like, normally I would be, like, he lives close by. He was probably parked, ready to follow this car into Lover's Lane. Ban there alone. Easy target. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. But, or you would think, this is another high school student that, like, knows who they are. Maybe this, like, likes her and wants to kill this dude or whatever. Like, they're just the the things wouldn't add up right now. Like it, the whole thing, even the first two murders, even though you know they're linked, they don't really add up. There's mm-hmm. nothing like that links these two couples together. The the term serial killer really wasn't even a thing around this time period. No, the FBI was still putting together research on that. Like it was just like, oh, okay. Like it, it it's usually just like you know one crime here, one crime there. Yeah, it it was. It was different times, but even by today's standards, I feel like this would be the tough thing to link where it's just mm-hmm. like, I guess he's killing couples and like, be careful. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. It would be like, it's really like, a, tough. it's like an 80 to me. It like reminded me of like a precursor, like eighties, like slasher movies and whatnot. Yeah, like yeah. there you go. Like horny teenagers and adulterous fucking women, like, you know, having affairs like by the lake or whatever. And out comes Jason. Well, here comes the Zodiac. Yeah. And Man, I'm glad you framed it that way just because down the line, obviously, he gives himself, like, a costume to, like, <laughs> to like put himself in that world of, like, mm-hmm. hockey mask dude kind of thing. You know, like, hockey mask with a fucking machete chasing you down the road kind of thing. It, it, it gets fucking crazy. If you don't know the Zodiac story, then you're in for a treat. There you go. Because just a few days after the second murder, after that 4th of July murder, in July 31st, 1969, the San Francisco Examiner, the Chronicle, and the Balejo Time all receive letters from the person calling, oh, claiming the murder. Sorry, I was going to say calling himself the Zodiac. That'll come later. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're claiming the murder. Um, each one of the letters uh, contains one third of an enclosed message with the cipher inside of it. Um, the letter is signed with a cross, basically crosshairs with a circle in it. Mm-hmm. It's pretty iconic. You I'm got wearing the patch. a patch. I'm wearing a patch right now of it. I actually have a, a shirt with the cipher in it. I've worn it before. I couldn't find it. I don't know where it's at. I'll try to wear it for the next episode. Um, might be in my dirty clothes hamper. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he wears it a lot. Um, I've worn it to the podcast a few times, but, um, yeah, anyways, it creates that logo um, and basically brands, 
brands himself as the Zodiac. A lot of people automatically associate it with either one or two things. And and uh, the Robert Downey Jr. character brings it up on, on the movie where he says, like, does this look like a gun sign to you? Mm-hmm. And it's basically because it looks like that like gun symbol of like targeting. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing that it could be was the very popular watch brand, the Zodiac, Zodiac. watches. So um, that's one of those things that like people were like, well, it looks like it could be one of those things. It would be like if somebody signed it with a Nike swoosh mm-hmm. and, <laughs> <laughs> and be like, this dude's really into Nike. What's up with that? <laughs> it was Michael Jordan. Um, a lot of people say that, though, but that's not where I went with it. You remember the movie Zeitgeist where they talk about, yeah. like, you know, he tries to debunk, you know, Christianity or whatever. And the cross, the symbol of the cross is like, this is just a metaphor for the Zodiac. Not the Zodiac killer, but like, you know, astrology. Mm-hmm. And when you Google, like, the Zodiac cross... That's what it is. Like, that's what I always, like, assumed, like, that he was referencing, like, you know, like, astrology or something. So, like, when people were talking about, like, the watch, which is a thing, and as well as, like, the gun thing, which is a thing as well, like, I think it's, like, a mixture of all of those things. And I don't think, I think that, like, the whole, like, astrology thing is a very, like, underdeveloped rabbit hole that nobody's ever gone down. One of the things that I really liked about it is, again, not to compare it to the Cicada 3301 thing, because... Technically, at least as far as I know, they never killed anyone, but they had a logo, that Cicada logo, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very cool. It's actually my background on Instagram or whatever, Facebook right now, because I think it's cool looking. Um, and um, I feel like giving himself like that, like, here's that thing. Here's a symbol that you guys are probably going to, like, no matter what, from now on, this is a symbol that I'm adopting. And, like, it used to mean, like, watches, like, Maddie, my brother-in-law, like, he's really into watches and like he always talks about like the zodiac watches and i'm always like that's so cool because i want some zodiac watches just for like the shits and giggles of like zodiac himself like having Mm -hmm. like those watches as we'll probably get into like one of the things that kind of ties into the whole zodiac is the watches coming coming to play later down the line yeah but um yeah i mean it just it's it's an iconic looking symbol. I mean, it's not like the Nike swoosh, but it's easy to draw. It's the equivalent of drawing a happy face. Like yeah. anyone can draw a happy face, and like, yeah, I mean, he it's knew, a calling card. Yeah, he knew what the fuck he was doing by by drawing the symbol on there. It was like that shit looks cool. Or like looks <laughs> like a very all of these things like writing himself out, writing this cipher. Making that your symbol is just like, man, this guy knows what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. And so the first letter, he says, I like killing people because it's so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all. And to kill something gives me the most thrilling experience. It's even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is, of it, damn, see, like, he even misspells a lot of words, too. Yeah. yeah. Is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise, which he also (laughs) mispronounces or misspells. And the and the I have killed will become my slaves. I will not give you my name because you will try to slow me down uh, to atop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. And then it's like a bunch of gibberish or whatever. The solution, and this is like the solution to the 408 uh, symbol cipher, um, including faithful translations of the misspellings and grammar errors and whatnot. So uh, he does send in. I believe it's like it's like a third of the cipher to each one of those newspapers. Mm-hmm. And then I believe that like a couple, like a, like a, uh, a couple of teachers or whatever, they're the ones that actually crack the cipher. Cause like in their spare time, you know, they actually yeah. solve puzzles and shit. Back when the newspaper mattered, man, yeah. like they just basically sit down and try to solve it. Like it was a crossword puzzle. Yeah. It, 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 it was wild. Like I can't even imagine. I was actually at one point going to buy a, um, a Zodiac newspaper. Um, does like the front page thing or whatever. I couldn't find any, and like the ones that I could find were like super expensive. There was one for the New York Times where it was like the, the Zodiac Killer returns, and it was like back in like 1989 or something mm-hmm. like that. And like there was a couple of times like he made a comeback, or if you will. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I don't want to buy the 1989 because that's probably a copycat. I don't know mm-hmm. what the fuck this is all about, but so I didn't buy that one. I'm not gonna spend a hundred bucks on like a newspaper <laughs> for maybe a copycat. Yeah, but if I ever find one of those like Balejo Times or like the Chronicle Examiner, whatever it is, like, um, what are they called? Is it the Chronicle Examiner? The San Francisco Examiner. Mm-hmm. Like, if I ever find one of those with, like, the, with that on there, dude, you bet your ass on, dude, I'm willing to put some, like, serious money on on just having that fucking newspaper framed. 
I mean, that would be like a fucking badass like piece of fucking like dude. I want American so history. I want that so bad. If someone, dude, oh man, if somebody knows a guy, please hook me up. <laughs> <laughs> and is this like the same letter too? Like where he's demanding like that he wants all three of those. He wants all three he, of those. He newspapers. wants them on the front page. Yeah, and I think only the uh, I think it's the Balejo Times decides to go with the third. Like they still put it in there, but, but it's like on the fourth page. Yeah, so like they don't they don't do it. And he claims that in this cipher he's gonna say his name, mm-hmm. which he doesn't. But we actually don't even know because there's a bunch of gibberish at the end that we've never been able to solve. Like what the fuck's that all about? So maybe I don't know. And then on didn't he like on August seventh, nineteen sixty nine, another letter was received at the San Francisco Examiner uh, with a salutation saying, "Dear editor, this is the Zodiac speaking," which is the first time he actually gives himself the name the Zodiac. Um, this is the first time he gives him the name for the identification. The letter was a response to Chief Slitz's request for more details that would prove he had killed Faraday and Jensen, um, so in the earlier murders. If the Zodiac included details about the murders, which had not yet been released to the public, as well as a message to the police that when they cracked his code, they will have me. So on August 8th, 1969, Donald and Betty Hardin of Salinas, California, that's where they crack the 408-symbol uh, cryptogram that contained all those misspelled messages, and the killer seemed to, you know, reference this book called The Most Dangerous Game. Uh, so a lot of, like, what I was saying right there, like, you know, man is the most elusive animal and whatnot. Like, it's basically, like, the premise for this book, which actually is, like, a movie as well, which, when you know, I'm sure, like, in episode two, we'll get into more detail about it, like, there's a lot of similarities from the actual like 19, you know, 22, you know, Hollywood Paramount production or whatever. Where yeah, it's yeah. basically like this guy that like gets shipwrecked on this island. And there's like this like, you know, big game hunter that's on this island as well who's like out there like actively like, you know, chasing. Kind of like the premise for the Predator movie, like with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Have you seen the movie The Hunt? No. Me neither. I kind of want to watch it. I've been mean to watch the movie The Hunt now for like a few months. And like my girlfriend's always like, nah. No, I don't know. And I'm just like, God <laughs> damn it. I gotta I gotta get back into watching movies. Just call out one day and watch it, man. That's what I, I gotta know, do dude. now. I'm gonna like if it's not ninety day fiance, like some of the shit that like I wanna watch, just is like I better watch like it like in pieces like on my lunch break or whatever. Or just fucking call out from work and fucking um, watch it. I'm gonna wake up like super early tomorrow just to watch it. There you go. I um mean, Yeah, I mean it reminds me of that. Like the hunt is basically like people hunting each other. Mm. And like he obviously is inspired by these things. Like he knows, like that's a little slide reference that he throws in there in that, in that cipher. And like, he's, he's, he knows what he's doing. I I, I don't want to say he's like a well-educated person, but he definitely knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He's just not some like fucking like, I guess he could be a dropout college student, but like he could, he, he's no geek off the street. Let's no just put it that off way. The street, correct. Yeah. All right. So you want to go ahead and jump into the third murder? Yeah, so the third murder is probably, I don't want to say his most iconic one, but a lot of people associate this murder to to like the image of the Zodiac. Mm-hmm. So this one's in September 27, 1969, on the shores of Lake Berisena. I don't know how to pronounce I'm gonna it. I'm going to say Berryessa. Berryessa, that's actually correct. That's, oh, okay. how, that's how I've heard <laughs> other people say it. Um, but basically... Uh, Cecilia Shepard and Brian, I don't know his last name. Do you have his last name? Uh, Brian Hartnell. Okay. Um, Both very young couple, early 20s. I think one was 20 or 22. 20 20 and 22, maybe. I want to say, yeah, about that, like college age. Because I think like in the movie as well, like they're like, oh, he's going for his master's in like engineering or some shit. Like, yeah. So I want to say like 22, like if you like took all the full credits or whatever, like you'd be around 22, 23 years old. So it seems about right. Yeah. So they're, they're in their 20s. Actually, the movie does a really good job of depicting this whole thing where they're just lying on their, on their backs, like watching the lake. And he tells the story in the, in the movie about like how there's a sunken city down there. And that's why a lot of people go down there. Cause they're basically building a city down there and then they end up flooding it on purpose. So they're there chill accent. And basically they notice that there's a man kind of crouching behind trees. I think she notices him first. Um, it's basically this man in this kind of executioner style hood costume with Zodiac logo painted on his chest. He also has like a bib on it too. So it's just like, he's a, yeah. 
it's like the weirdest getup or whatever. Like when you were talking about it earlier, like where he has like a costume or whatnot. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, I started laughing because like them again. The movie does like a really good job of like trying to make it as cool as possible, but it still fucking looks ridiculous as shit. Because it's just like the most fucking. I mean, well, it, it looks it, homemade. I mean, the whole thing is like his the head thing that he wears. I say executioner style, but the reality is like. It almost looks like he has a trash bag on his head. Mm-hmm. With like, like a fucking, like those sun, those clip-on sunglasses or whatever, like yeah. eye holes and shit. Yeah, and that's the other thing about like he's wearing sunglasses for some reason. Um, <laughs> Maybe and, the prescription sunglasses. And he claims to be an escape convict mm-hmm. that's like out in the run, and he basically claims that he just wants their car to go to Mexico. Mm-hmm. Right off the bat, you got to kind of, you have to call bullshit on this whole thing because it's like, why would an escape convict go through the effort of like creating this costume and like painting the Zodiac logo on it. And like, just seems like a, he looks like a really bad, like DC villain or whatever, like from like the 1930s or whatever. Like, I'm going to get you Batman. If it's the last thing I do kind of thing. And it's just like, Ooh, it looks super like cringy, but like, yeah, like to your point where it's just like, if somebody like in a get up like that, like, you can obviously tell, like, it wasn't just something like, you know, like a ski mask where it's just like, okay, it's quick and simple. I'm going to rob this bank and I'm going to try to, like, hide my Denny. No, like, even if it was, like, even if you did a shitty job, like, you still put effort into this. Like, who puts effort into fucking, you know, after you just escaped prison into making this get up? Like, it's not a ski mask, but at the same time, it's just like, wait a minute. There's a little bit more thought to it than this. Yeah, and he has perfectly sized like ties for their arms and legs, like already ready to go for them. Mm-hmm. So it's not like it's some spontaneous thing. He's just trying to steal their car. He's like ready to go with like those ties for their arms and, and legs. Basically he approaches them. He's holding a gun. He approaches them and, and ask the girl to tie up the guy. I forgot the guy's name. Um, not, what is the guy's name? Brian, Brian Harwell. Yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, ties up Brian. Um, and then he ties up the girl. Um, he takes the keys to the vehicle and almost starts like to the point where he's gonna leave him alone. It almost feel and the movie kind of does this in a, in a I don't know I don't remember how the movie does it where he's like almost like walking. Oh, in the movie they do this whole thing where like does that gun have any bullets in it? And, and he, he like, like shows, shows him like the clip. I don't know if that actually happened or not or like they just added that to like give him a little bit of like this guy's got some guts in him. I kind of think that it, it's just, it got added into the movie because the whole that Brian Hartnell character like he he survives this incident right and he's the one that like gives like this this is why you, we if have all this if information. If you survive, you get to tell the story of how badass you are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so like you hear like all this like extraness to like his story because like when you YouTube like him talking about it, he kind of like one of the first virtue signal signalers because like he goes even though like this dude like fucking kills like his girlfriend uh, to finish art story. You know, he ties him up and he pretends he's going to leave and he stabs him like a cut. Like he stabs him six times in the back and he stabs her 10 times in the back and whatnot. And so like she dies or whatever, but he survives. And, you know, in the press conference, when he's talking about it, he's like saying, I hold no ill will towards him. Like, I actually feel sorry for him. And the whole time I was asking him if he needed help. And if we do find him, I just want to make sure he finds the help that he needs. I'm like, yo, mother... And like a couple of podcasts I was listening to was like, oh, wow, what a, what a, a big heart this guy has. And I'm like, dude, no, like you just said right now, he like he's just trying to look more badass because he survived the fucking Zodiac killer. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to him for that. But like this dude just killed your girl, fucking stabbed you in the back six times. You didn't do anything about it. And I kind of have a feeling like you were saying, like with the movie, like with the whole like, does that gun even have bullets in it? I kind of believe like that's what he told the media as well. Like he was acting yeah. like this badass or whatever to overcompensate for the fact. I was pretty badass. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, the movie I think brings up this point of them being worried that they're gonna freeze to death out there, mm-hmm. and I think that's when he actually comes back and like stabs them both in the back, like as they're tied up, mm-hmm. and obviously the girl gets the most attention. And I think she got the most attention too because. Uh, she initially tied up Brian, but she didn't really tie him up that well. Mm-hmm. And um, like when he goes to like tie her up or whatnot, like he notices it too. Let me make sure this fucking rope's tied on you or whatever. Oh, you left it a little loose. Like, I think that's mm-hmm. why she got like the most of the brunt of the fucking shit because like, oh, he could have fucking jumped out of these ties and fucking fucking attacked me and shit. Yeah. And the other thing that makes this murder, I don't want to say iconic, but pretty iconic 
is that he basically leaves a message on their door, mm-hmm. um, draws the symbol on the door again. His like classic zodiac, always oh, pulling the zodiac on everything, and then writes Balejo twelve twenty sixty eight seven twenty four sixty nine September twenty seven sixty nine six thirty by, by knife. knife, and like the dude fucking like is obviously the zodiac. Like he. He is not an escape prisoner, which I always, I always wondered why he said the whole escape prisoner thing. Like, why even lie? You're holding the gun, like you're holding all the cards here. Why lie to them? I think too, like just to like be like, hey, look, I'm not trying to do anything. I just want your car. Like, kind of like throw him for a swerve or whatever. So their mind goes one direction, and he crosses you over like fucking Allen Iverson yeah. in the late '90s. He, dude, maybe I'm just playing checkers and he's out here playing chess because like. And the reality is, like, he's doing that. To, and the reality, I say that again. Yeah. <laughs> but he does that to uh, the police department. Like, he's out here playing fucking chess. And everyone out here, sorry, he's playing chess. We're playing checkers. Mm-hmm. And, like, he seems to have an understanding of police jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. At this point, he's already, like, in a whole, he's in the Napa area. Like, he's not even, like, in, in the original murder area. Like that Vallejo fucking, you know, suburban area and whatnot. Yeah. So, like, the dude's willing to, like, drive around and, like, move around with his murders. And it's kind of like like with the Richard Ramirez case, like, where, like, there's so many different jurisdictions where, again, Richard Ramirez probably took, you know, note from Zodiac mm. that he knew that, like, oh, all of these police stations, they're all independent from each other. At this time, they're not sharing information. You know, the movie, again, not to be that guy or whatever. Like, I got all my information from the movie. But the movie, the does, movie does an amazing, amazing job. job. Like, if you just watched the movie and, like, that's all the research you would have done, that's, like, probably enough because the movie does a really good job. There's even a reference in the movie to Telefax. Yeah. Which the whole thing about Telefax is, like, before there were fax machines, there was Telefax, which was, like, this totally archaic thing. By the time in the movie, they make it sound like it's the wave of the future. Uh-huh. And, like, some of the departments didn't have Telefax. So they couldn't share information. You're like, well, you're just going to have to mail it then. Like, well, what am I going to get it? Oh, no. Like, it's up to the postmaster. Like, they, yeah, they do that whole thing. Yeah, and that's like a very real thing that the police departments were really struggling with. They weren't sharing information. And, like, a lot of times they weren't even linking some of these cases together mm-hmm. until, like, the Zodiac had to go link them together for them. Hold their hand to it. <laughs> <laughs> I did these. That's <laughs> why so I went to the fake news because they were going to get it to, done. Yeah, I mean, like. The, the Zodiac clearly knew, like, I don't want to say he, I'm not trying to say he was a police officer, but he definitely knew the way, like, police officer. Yeah, he knew the system, and he was working that system. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when we worked at Target, and, like, those dudes from, like, India would come in all the time and buy, like, 300 iPods? Yeah. Like, because they were, like, working the system, and they would get gift cards to, like, at the end, like, buy, like, 20 iPods for free with all the gift cards we would give out. And they had, like, that tax exemption, too. Yeah. So, like, they were getting it cheaper than, yeah. Like, that's how I feel like those guys were the Zodiac killers of scam <laughs> of retail. <laughs> <laughs> but my friend, can I get one more? Yeah. Do you got more in the back? Oh, man, you are the Zodiac of retail. <laughs> he just leaves like like where you're supposed to like sign your fucking name for the credit card. He just draws a Zodiac symbol and shit. <laughs> oh, that's too And the whole time he's just staring right in your pupils. <laughs> oh, that's too funny, dude. <laughs> I am. He puts, a, he puts a hood up for something. <laughs> But sir, I'm I'm going to the back right now. There's no need for this. Hmm. I'm an escape convict. <laughs> I need to get to Mexico. But anyways, uh, Zodiac again, and uh, you know later on that day. So if these murders take place at 6:30, about an hour later at 7:40 p.m., the killer calls Napa County Sheriff's uh, Department uh, to basically report a murder. No, a double murder. Um, <laughs> and the phone is actually found off the hook. Uh, by a Kayvon reporter, uh, Pat Staney. Uh, so I, I'm assuming that, you know, it's just like, you know, one of their investigative reporters or whatever in the area. Uh, he finds it off the hook, and the phone is, like, just, like swinging. So you can tell, like, he had just left. And the the hand, there's actually, like, a palm print, a wet palm print on the phone uh, that the police are able to, you know, get off. Uh, but it's actually also, too, the phone booth was actually a block down the street from you know, the sheriff's department, you know, but 27 miles away from the actual crime scene. Um, When Hartnell and Shepard are found, they're found by a fisherman and a son who actually heard their screams. So I guess they lived, uh, 
you know, long enough, you know, for somebody to hear, you know, them screaming or whatnot. Um, uh, Shepard ends up dying, you know, the female. She ends up dying, you know, because she slips into a coma, you know, two days later. And then, like you said earlier, Hartnell, um, he actually survives to tell this story. Pretty wild shit, man. Um, and he actually gives, like, the, you know, the most accurate description of him as well. Because when you think about it, he's had the most interaction with the Zodiac. Because with uh, the first murder, the two teenagers and whatnot, um, you know, he pretty much shoots them right away. And then the second murder, you know, where it's like, you know, the adulterous woman and, you know, her Sancho on the side or whatever, he actually sees him. But like you alluded to, like with that murder, he does that whole police technique, like where he flashes the flashlight in their eyes. So like he doesn't see him, it, you know, temporarily blinds him. Even after they, um, you know, put the flashlight away, you still have like that burning image of the light in your pupils. So like he gives a description as well, but it's not, you know it's not as accurate as what this guy would have said. So like he he describes him as being like either five ten uh, to five, eight, a very husky individual around, which I don't think this is husky because this is around so, my weight. <laughs> He's like one eighty to like 200 pounds. They always describe him as stocky. Mm-hmm. And like, I always thought that was a really weird way to describe someone. Cause I don't know what that means. <laughs> I still yeah. don't know, but I see, I, I think he's the first one to describe him as stocky. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, that's really weird. Obviously, down the line, like someone else's dis- has a, a description of him and their description of him, and we'll get into that murder in a little bit, but I just think it's interesting is that they describe him as very plain looking. Mm-hmm. Like he just looks like an average man. And I'm like, well, of course. Like he just looks like a dude. Like, I don't know. I, I, wa- I wish they would have caught him just so I could be like, yeah, he's kind of bland looking. Well, it's also too, like, when you look at, like, the Richard Ramirez, like, fucking sketch or whatever, it looks nothing like even his worst picture. Yeah. So it's like, you got to think, like, they, there's always, like, that adage where they talk about, like, you know, uh, you know, a witness isn't always the most credible person, you know, to get, you know, information from because, you know, they, the adrenaline's running and whatnot. So, I mean, he could be that or he could not be that way, but... We'll get go ahead and go into the the fifth. Yeah, and final yeah. Murder. Let, let me see here. Um, so the fifth and final murder is really when he decides to switch up the mo. Um, and this is really when the the police detectives in the movie start to investigate him, because this is when they finally like get really assigned to the case and like it's full on their case. Um, I only mention that just because this they're really the ones to start tying this whole thing together at this time period. Um, but it's basically in 19, October 11th, 1969, a yellow cab driver, which is the, the traditional yellow cabs, as you would imagine, in the 1960s. Um, there was a driver, Paul Stein. He was only 29 years old. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out, he was, a lot of people always make him sound like he was like this old man. He was 29 years old. That's still really young. Correct. Um, basically around 10 p.m. at night, um, he's driving his cabbie home i assume that that's what uh that's what you know passenger cab cabbie whatever is called just so some of you guys that don't live in large cities like bakersfield uh know <laughs> you're a cabbie if you are the passenger in a cab anyways they start driving down um at the intersection of washington and cherry this is in san francisco and if you haven't been to san francisco relatively crowded city mm-hmm. so he basically starts driving into the quieter more empty suburbs and you know on october october in san francisco pretty cold, cold pretty empty streets pulls it pulls into that area where it's a lot darker a lot emptier and basically asks the cab driver to stop here and at that point he shoots the cab driver in the back mm-hmm. back of the head and across the street there's a house but that house will play a role later on he basically because they'll describe something differently than what actually happens he basically starts cutting pieces of his bloody shirt off and taking it with him later on the police would arrive believing that this is just a um like a robbery gone a robbery gone wrong the the kids across the street that sorry there's a house across the street the kids see everything they report it to the police um basically saying looks like they were in a fight looks like they were like he was robbing him and that's what the struggle was going on when in reality the dude was probably already dead and he was just Mm. cutting off pieces of his shirt to take with him and this is this is the part that i find the most i guess like interesting because if there was ever a chance to catch the zodiac killer this was it right here right here yeah 
like there are actual people witnessing the crime for the first time. Survivors actually witnessed the crime. Unfortunately, they're kids, um, and it is dark. He obviously knew that he was going into a quieter, more secluded area next to a relatively large park mm-hmm. where he could basically get into the park and disappear. Super interesting to me. I don't know if you have anything on, on like this murder in particular, but well, like you said, to pick up where you left off, you know, there's three kids that witnessed, you know, what would happen, um, which is weird because like the the movie for the most part doesn't really touch on this so too much. You just get Mark Ruffalo saying, "Can I talk to the children?" and the dad saying, "Like they just witnessed the murder," so you never really get that part of it. Uh, so they actually call in nine one one, and this is like how the police are alerted that something you know in the area has happened. Like, yo, we just saw a murder. You know, they give all the details of what you just said or whatever, right? And somehow, and to me, this is like what's the most interesting is that, you know, the dispatch, for whatever reason, you know, the kids, you know, give, you know, you know, hey, he's like a white dude, about 5'8 to 5'10. Crew cut. Crew cut, wearing some glasses, you know, uh, slender build. I don't know why. He must he must have went on the Atkins diet or whatever, or watched his carbs or whatnot um, <laughs> from being stocky hmm. and shit a couple months earlier. Um, but you know, he's pretty much like your stereotypical, like, you know, white dude, like in the fucking late sixties and whatnot. And so what, for whatever reason, the dispatch person says that, oh, we're looking for a black male, you know, with these attributes. And so two police officers, uh, Dan Fouts, uh, Don Folk and Eric Zelms, not Dan Fouts, the former fucking, uh, San Diego Charters <laughs> quarterback. <laughs> um, they actually see a white dude, you know, walking down in the exact area, you know, just walking by. And he actually wait, depending on what you know source you look at or whatever. They say he actually waves at the police officers, and the police officers keep going about their business because they're looking for this you know black gentleman or you know as the dispatcher says Negro um, that we're looking for. And you know they're like on you know high alert looking for this black person. And meanwhile, this white dude that's in the same area that you know they're looking for this person at you know waves at him and then disappears into the park. At that point, pretty much unanimously, everybody believes like, oh, shit, that was the Zodiac. Well, the funny thing about that, and they do a good job in the movie talking about this time, is um, I think it's the the guy that plays the Hulk. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he says the line of like, he would have been covered in blood. You should have been able to spot him. And they're like, it was, it, dark. was, it was dark. And it's like, yeah, like that's another one of those things that just is like, this guy fucking knew what he was doing. Like, he was going to pick the most, like, poorly lit park to just, like, be the traditional, like, white privilege dude to, like, waving at the police as he's covered in blood and, like, walking away with, like, yeah. pieces of a bloody shirt. I, I don't know. I don't want to say it's, like, brilliant. And, like, some of it is just dumb luck. Like, mm-hmm. life sometimes, you know, you just got to be dumb luck. Be at the right place at the right time. And he fucking nailed it with that dumb luck on this one. Yeah. Because... Yeah, he he should have got caught. Oh my god, yeah. And you know Mark Ruffalo, the <laughs> the character he's playing in that, he does like a really good job of like expressing like the frustration cuz it's like in that moment you're like thinking to yourself like, "Oh my god, like that is like everybody's frustration. There's been like trying to fi- you know figure out this case cuz like there's literally like people like that dedicate their lives. Like there's like so like I believe there's like 150 like fan sites that are dedicated to like trying to find this murder. I mean, if anybody has seen like the documentary, like don't fuck with cats, like those online sleuths, they're fucking on that shit. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So for like all these like sites to be up there and like nobody has found him or whatever, like this was like your one shot. This is like your Doctor Strange, like in fucking Endgame. Like this is like your one shot, and like it was it was missed right here. Tony Stark did not fucking snap the yeah. fucking glove. It's a really tough moment, I think, for for the police department, for everyone that was trying to catch him, and 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 yeah, I think that that's the that that is the moment of frustration. That's that was your one chance because after this, it starts to get really murky, and he wisens up and like, you know, he changes his mo once, and he maybe changes his mo again, again, and I. I think that you know that 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 was it. Like he he is too smart at this point. There is a fourth letter that comes in after mm-hmm. this murder, just to rub it in the police department, just to rub it in the entire northern California. I was gonna say the city of San Francisco, but really he's terrorizing the entire like northern California, all of California probably. Mm-hmm. Um, November eighth, nineteen sixty nine. The fourth cipher comes in the three hundred forty long character one. That's actually the one that just recently got broken. Mm-hmm. 
this one was one of the toughest ones. Obviously, it took a supercomputer to like solve this one. I actually wish I would have done more research on that supercomputer because it was like it was some bullshit where it was like you have to read it diagonally and like have to like move the characters every three times or something mm-hmm. like that. It was so complicated that it was like holy shit. There's no way like they would have been able to solve this. And it's funny, like talking about like synchronicity, like in the world and whatnot, like one of my favorite podcasts that has nothing to do with like true crime or last podcast on the left, fucking copycat <laughs> bullshit or whatever. Like, it's just like them, you know, just talking shit or whatever. Um, one of the uh, producers is uh, boyfriends was talking about like how he has this cipher uh, framed above his toilet. Like uh-huh. I have Tupac framed above like my toilet this guy has like above like so every time he takes a pee like every single morning for like the last 20 years he had been looking at this cipher like trying to figure it out for like the last 20 years and he's just like every time i take a pee like i take another look at it and every time like i think i get somewhere with it like it just goes all down the drain no pun intended Whoa. yeah so it's a good pun though yeah it is <laughs> um, but like it's just like it's been like that since like what 1969 to, to the end of 2020 to yeah. where they like were able to figure it out like that's nuts not only that not only did he send them like the most like fucking complicated cipher ever but he sends them a piece of that shirt that he collected during the murder mm-hmm. <laughs> to prove that it actually prove, is him. like hey by the way this is me like you were right i was i was right there here's a piece of his shirt with the blood stain, stains all over it. And not only that, but he... Do you have the actual letter? Yes. Yeah, so okay, because I, I don't the, have the actual letter, but the actual letter is, like, fucking badass. Uh, like, the what's deciphered? No, 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 like, what it what uh, he says to, to the uh, police, or uh, to the uh, San Francisco Chronicle or whatever. Oh, shit, no, I don't. Let me see if I can find it. Because it's, it's something along the lines, like, you could have caught me, uh, but you were too busy in the in the park, like, with your sirens, like, well, while you're looking that up, let me read you what was this. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Like in it. December of 2020, which was actually like posted in the Art and Jacob Do America fucking uh, Facebook group, yeah. like right when it happened. So I think that was a shout out to um, Alejandra. Monica? Oh, Alejandra? It was Alejandra. Oh, okay. Probably even Monica too, though, because she's okay. on top of that shit. So shout out to both of y'all. Uh, but anyways, uh, it, the deciphered message that took like 40 fucking years to fucking be deciphered was, I hope you are having lots of fun trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I'm not afraid of the gas chamber because it will send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know my new life is life will be. Mind you, this guy's fucking misspelling shit all over the place and his grammar's all over the place as well. My new life is life will be an easy one in paradise death. And that was the solution to the 340 cipher that was printed along with the letter Art is looking up right now. I'm looking for the letter right now. Uh, it's giving me a lot of bullshit, so I don't want to harp, harp too much on it. <laughs> the letter 1969. The point is, he basically rubs it in the face of the police department saying, like, you could have caught me. That was me in the park. You guys were fucking too busy chasing your tails. That was your shot, and you blew it. Because you were too busy chasing a black man that didn't exist. And, like, it is just, like, I'm sure the police department's, like, backbone must have, like, <laughs> simultaneously, like, broken at that, that point. Like, every, like, ounce of, like, we're going to get this guy is, like, out the window. Mm-hmm. Where it's just, like, God damn. He... Turned into an inverted penis at that point. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, it just jumped into a frozen ice pool at that point. That's rough, man. Like, honestly, I don't know, like it's it's a rough one like I, I don't even know like the uh the the movie does a good job of like of like draining the energy from the room as like mm-hmm. they're they're doing these things but like i can't even imagine being a part of that police department where you're like been working night and day trying to solve this crime and all of a sudden it's like oh he was there and we just let him go fuck that sucks yeah so do you want to cut it there or uh, what else do you have? What's the next thing? And we'll see where we're at. I just cut it right at the, um, the letter right there. That's a perfect place to stop actually. Yeah. So, uh, tune in next week where we're going to finish, uh, part two to the Zodiac, uh, killer, uh, episode, which will also be serve as our 200th episode. Um, and this one was kind of just like a more or less just an introduction to the Zodiac. So all you little nerds out there, all you true crime buffs or whatever, like that, don't, don't, don't get pissed off at us because we didn't give you all the full fucking rundown on this episode. Uh, but we're going to get into a lot more detail, um, on episode 200, uh, Zodiac part two. 
um, you know, give you all the ins and outs and the theories and whatnot. So it's going to get even more interesting out there. But as they say, this is just the meat and potatoes. This is how we got to this point. So uh, with that said, Art, do you have anything else? Uh, guys, so not this weekend because you're going to be out of town probably soon this weekend. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know what you're doing this weekend, but I'm going to be out of town this weekend. Um, but next weekend, look out for the Art and Jacob Do America website since it's the 200th episode. We'll nice. sp- we're going to spice it up. I'm going to spice it up. I'm going to spend some hours trying to spice up the website. Ooh, I, I actually it. just got a bill on my email going like, Remember, you have automatically been signed up for more of this website. And I'm like, God damn, I need to update the website. <laughs> if I'm going to be paying for this fucking bitch, I want to make it sh- make sure that it's a good website. Take so, the time um, with it like a fucking Zodiac uh, cipher. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, I'm going to definitely... There's a picture of us with... Um, oh, who's that little like black actor that's a comedian? Oh, Kevin, Kevin Hart. Hart. Remember that Kevin Hart thing I posted? Oh, yeah. So originally I was going to do that. I've, I've had the picture of like us with Ghostlo on there for so long. That was so long ago already. Yeah. That that picture needs to be changed now for, for episode 200. Yeah, episode 200. We'll change it up. Yeah. So with that said, guys, in the meantime, until episode 200, make sure you check us out on all the social medias at Art and Jacob Do America. Except for Twitter, we are at Art and Jacob Do A1. Uh, like I've been alluding to throughout this episode, make sure you join the Facebook group where all these cool topics come to fruition, like the Zodiacs 340 cipher being deciphered in December of 2020. That was put in there by one of our members. So shout out to that if you want to stay abreast to the news. Uh, if you like this episode and you want to hear better episodes, uh, we just recorded a Patreon episode um, this week. And like I've been saying every single week, week in and week out, Nine times out of ten, those Patreon episodes have been better than the actual episode episodes that you get for free. So if you dig what you're hearing today, go to Patreon.com. Look for Patreon.com slash Art Jacob Do America. Sign up there and you'll get some more, you know, intimate episodes with Art and I. It's us being a little bit more jovial, a little bit more... um, A little more candid. A little more candid, a little bit more vulnerable. Art made the reference of, you know, we're always putting the knife to the heart. The old Corazon, if you will. (laughs) and it gets a little deep on those episodes so if you like these episodes you'll love those Patreon episodes I fucking guarantee it Uh, if you want to support us um, go to tpublic.com check out all of our merch over there support our sponsors Caveman Coffee as well as Elliot Potential Hot Sauce also too we are proud members of the Podbelly Network where you can check out other great podcasts that we're networking with uh, such as the world famous Sofa King Podcast um mind frame podcast um, as well as you know paranormal punchers um, and my homie eddie his podcast the rrbg podcast where he's he's gonna be celebrating episode 200 in a matter of days damn um, and he's got he's always got some hitters on there so if you like heavy metal you know pro wrestling you know stand-up comedy he's always got a less people on there you know tony hinchcliffe you know members of nine inch nails uh, cannibal corpse uh you know pro wrestlers like yeah the list goes on like yo he's a plus with every single guest he gets so uh, check him out but other than that art that's it man um quick shout outs obviously elizabeth jackman elizabeth warren (laughs) (laughs) um jacob jacob's birthday is coming up i don't want to spoil the beans but jacob's birthday is coming up and shout out to jacob for uh i'm entering the 36 chambers yeah Congratulations on, on living, yeah. <laughs> on living so long. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Time to sign up for some AARP. Yeah, man. How's your hearing? Is it good? It's horrible. All right. <laughs> right on. So with that said, everybody, have a good night. Good night. Dear editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the Fourth of July near the golf course in Vallejo. To prove I killed them, I shall state some facts which only. I and the police know. Christmas, brand name of ammo, Super X. Ten shots were fired. The boy was on his back with his feet to the car. The girl... The girl was on her right side, feet to the west. Fourth of July. One, girl was wearing patterned slacks. The boy was also shot in the knee. Brand name of ammo was Western. 
Here is part of a cipher. The other two parts of this cipher are being mailed to the editors of the Vallejo Times and SF Examiner. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. In this cipher is my identity. If you do not print this cipher by the afternoon of Fry, F-R-Y, 1st of Aug 69, I will go on a kill rampage, Fry night. I will cruise around all weekend killing lone people in the night, then move on to kill again until I end up with a dozen people over the weekend. It's unsigned except for a symbol. Is it me? Or does that look like a gun sign? No one can do it better like this, that, and this, and uh, it's like that, and like this, and like that, and uh, it's like this. Then who gives a fuck about those? So just chill to the next episode.